Hey, it's Andrew, and I wanted to thank you for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. Did you know that you can subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast on Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or wherever you get your podcasts to have new episodes delivered to your feed twice a week on Wednesday and Friday? All you have to do is pick up your phone, navigate to your podcast app, and search for Door County or Door County Pulse podcast and click subscribe. If you're a longtime listener or if this is your first episode, we hope you enjoy the Door County Pulse podcast. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse about the stories you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse. How's it going, Miles? Going good, Andrew. Good. We also have Matthew Mark on the... What, what, what would you say your title was here at the Pulse? Well, it is for another day, and it's a multimedia producer. Producer. I, yeah. I get you and Aaliyah confused, because she's our multimedia editor. Yeah. So, uh... We, if you listen to the weekend primer this week, we mentioned that that was your last weekend primer, Matt. So we've mm-hmm. decided to bring you in to the Friday podcast. You're going to be our feature this week. We're going to chat with you all about your your leaving for brighter pastures, your time here with the Pulse, and uh, our our very special office friendship that has formed over the right. over the last year and a half of knowing each other. Right. But before we get into that, uh, Miles, why don't we jump into some news? All right. Um, First thing, you know, it's I'm going to go out of order because I really just want to talk about maybe my favorite article ever. So Jim Lundstrom wrote that uh, Expedia named Door County a dog-friendly community. Yeah, the uh, which is kind of interesting, but, you know, laid out a bunch of the different ways that Door County is great for um, people with pets and mostly vacationers with pets. Um, it's interesting because there are some people who don't think Door County is very dog-friendly in part because there are, you know, once we found out, like, we had some beach contamination issues, like, almost 20 years ago, a lot of the beaches, they found that some dog fecal matter was part of the problem with that. So a lot of the beaches don't allow dogs, which kind of turns some people off. Um, and like any place, it's, there's certain businesses that allow it, pets and certain that don't. There, I find that there's actually a lot of cool activities that you can do with your pet here. I know... Uh, I have two dogs. You have a dog. I'm sure you get your dog out to the dog parks, and you have all sorts of areas that you can go. Um, there are some beaches that allow dogs on certain portions of them, and, and some that don't. But it's cool to see that we've been named like a one of the top like dog friendly destinations. Yeah. So like I don't know. Like over the last ten years, Sister Bay added a dog park. Egg Harbor's got a really nice dog park. I was actually just there a couple weeks ago for the first time. It's actually split into two for small dogs and big dogs. My dog's on the smaller side, but is more than happy to wear out the big dogs too, so it doesn't really matter. But for people who, who need that separation, it's kind of cool. Um, I lost a Frisbee at the Egg Harbor Dog Park, so if you're down there and find it, Andrew, that's my red Frisbee. I will bring it back to you. Uh, some of the things that were pointed out as special uh, are Whitefish Dunes is dog-friendly. You can take your dog on a sunset sail with Bella Sailing Cruises. <laughs> um, a lot of people like to bring their dogs out paddleboarding or on kayaks. If you love your animal and you want to go vacation with them, if you want to take them with you everywhere you go, Door County is a great place to do that. And one of the other, like the north side of the beach at Newport State Park, you can take your dogs there too. So I did that last summer. It's kind of a, a nice find. And so kind of like a nice little adventure when you find a place that you're like, oh, I can do this with my dog. Especially when you have a dog like mine that can run like eight to 10 miles a day and still want to play. Finding those places I can wear them out outside is like money. Or... I'm not quite at the point where I can take my dog to a restaurant yet, 
But I think like as it gets a little past two years old, like pretty soon I might be able to take her to like patios sometimes. I'm, I'm kind of pumped for that. Is your goal to get her to the point where she doesn't need a leash? Be one of those dogs that just walks by your side downtown? I would love that. I think I'm far from it though. Yeah, our our older dog Toby is he doesn't need a leash, but Oscar, our younger dog, still runs everywhere, so he needs to be leashed. I am so jealous of those people who can who can do that and just like walk down the side of the road unleashed. I'm like, how how is that working? How is that even happening without right. you having a heart attack every time a car drives by? No, exactly. The problem is even though Toby could walk with me without a leash, he is a five pound Yorkie. So there's no <laughs> way that I'm gonna bring him to Sister Bay or anything like that. It's probably not a good idea. Another bit of news this week, there was a mayoral forum in Sturgeon Bay. Yeah, uh, the two candidates, David Ward, who is an incumbent city council member, and then uh, Sean Fairchild, a member of the Sturgeon Bay Historical uh, Society and uh, a longtime um, observer and commenter on city politics, are vying to be the new mayor. Tom Bur- or Thad Birmingham is not seeking a third term. Um, I would say like the embattled third Tom Birmingham or Thad Birmingham. He's been involved in a lot of controversy over the last few years. And yeah, they were, they, it was a really kind of a lot of those forums sometimes are not very insightful, but Sturgeon Bay is one of those communities that has some really specific issues. So some of the questions are, are much more specific for those candidates versus some towns where they don't have like big issues to talk about. It's, it becomes a very vague, like what's your take on local government kind of question. But this one, they had questions about like, how would they approach street improvements? How would they approach um, bring more affordable housing to the city? And how would they approach development in the city and, and encouraging more development? And I thought that last question was where they had like the biggest contrast. Yeah, uh, it says in the article that the their focuses for economic development are probably the most contrasty. Um, can you give us a little bit about what the, their two differing approaches are? Yeah. Uh, David Ward, who represents the industrial park with his district, uh, on the council, he, and rightfully so, sees, uh, the industrial park as a major component and kind of big business and big developments as the, the big tax drivers that the city needs to bring in. Sean Fairchild on the flip side, he talks a lot about driving infill into the existing city core. So driving small business development, incremental development in the 3rd Avenue, 4th Avenue, Madison Avenue areas downtown and filling in some of those empty retail spaces, getting creative with housing solutions down there, creating more bike friendly and walkable communities that would be more attractive to younger individuals. So it, it is their priorities. It's not to say that Sean wouldn't care about the industrial park or that David Ward wouldn't compare, care about the core. It's just their priorities are definitely distinct in that. Ward is kind of industrial park manufacturing and healthcare and Fairchild is small business and tourism focused and maybe more millennium focused because what Fairchild is talking about is really like what people of my generation, I'm 40 and younger really are after, I think. Right. That as you were laying that out to me as, you know, a 25 year old, I was immediately like, oh, one of those makes a lot of sense to me and the other I don't have as much of a, a background in or a relation to. Um, but I know that Sturgeon Bay has a long history of industry and mm-hmm. it, it still does have a lot of industry there and that it, it is a big part of what makes Sturgeon Bay what it is. Um, so it feels like my my perspective on it feels biased, like because right. I, I don't know that other part of it as much. Yeah, it's easy to forget the impact that some of those industrial park businesses have, you know, like 
a Hatco or an NEW Industries, and, and there's a bunch more that employ anywhere from 100 people to 200 people, and in many cases, pretty good paying jobs. And even even though you don't think of that as like millennial, there's a lot of millennials that work there who then are the people who live in that city. So, but Fairchild, on the other hand, I think he like if you could merge those two philosophies, and you you could get a, a you could do a lot for Surgeon Bay. It is really about um, if they, cause Sturgeon Bay has had a declining population over the last, uh, 10 years or so. And if they're going to refurbish that and, and, or replenish that and get more younger adults into the community, you also have that, you have to promote this kind of lifestyle and quality of life. And a lot of that, what people are seeking now, even in city centers is like creating those urban cores. So like, even if you go to Chicago outside of like the downtown core, you have all these little city centers around like train lines and stuff that are all their own little neighborhoods. That's where people want to be. They want to be like in those cases by like public transit. So even suburban communities are now like what's popular in the suburbs aren't like the big lots on the outskirts of the suburbs. It's whatever lots are, are centered in like the kind of urban center of the suburb right by the train stations. That's the only places that are growing in suburban neighborhoods now. So certain Bay like reconcentrating on that core probably makes a lot of sense. Well, and Sturgeon Bay is unique in Door County in that it can it can be split in the middle like that. You can focus on tourism or on industry, whereas when you get into the northern peninsula... It's all tourism. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's where it's not an option anymore. Right. Um, and living up here in the northern part of the peninsula, so much of what we do is based on tourism that it, it seems like a no-brainer to continue to focus on that in Sturgeon Bay. But, you know, as we've covered, there, it, it's not all about that there. And, and Ward did say that he sees tourism as a big part of Sturgeon Bay's future and a big part of the opportunity. Um, it's just that a lot of his comments didn't seem to touch on things that would drive that, but it was interesting. We'll have a, there's a, a more complete report um, out on doorcountypulse.com and then also in this weekend's print edition. And I'll be writing more about the mayor's race and the city council races in the, the coming weeks leading up to the election. It should be pretty interesting who, which, uh, which candidate wins out because that whoever, Whoever becomes the next mayor is really going to have the opportunity to sway a lot of important decisions in the city over the next three years. That, uh, I think, might even segue into our last little bit of news here. Staying in Sturgeon Bay, uh, we've got some another update on the granary. And Matt, if you could, on your last day here, insert or create some sort of granary jingle that we can use <laughs> moving forward whenever we talk about the granary. Yeah, it, uh, I can definitely do that as like my going away present for you guys because <laughs> of I'm sick of hearing you guys talk about the granary. Honestly, as an as an editor of these podcasts, I'm I'm kind of sick of it. I'm sick of talking <laughs> about it, but it will not die. So if you can make that jingle, we'll probably still be using it a decade from now. The granary, the granary. Here's what's going on with the granary. There we go. We'll keep that moving forward. So uh, the Sturgeon Bay Historical Society introduced its project team for the restoration of the granary. Uh, what are some of the key takeaways from this? Uh, this was just mainly like to um, talk about what will be delivered because there's been a lot of questions about that. Uh, a lot of people asking for some specific proposals and designs. There still wasn't that in part because like the, the leaders of the Historical Society, Sean Fairchild, and Christy Weber had both pointed out that we couldn't really come up with a plan until we had a site. And then they still don't have that final, final agreement with the city sign to say that they would definitely be able to move it over there and what that, what the constraints on that will be when they do. So they, they did uh, introduce some Mike Till, who is a, a Sturgeon Bay engineer, who is going to kind of lead the on-site efforts to, the, to refurbish and reconstruct and 
and make the building structurally sound. Uh, but James Dahlman is the architect that will lead the effort. He's uh, from a firm called Law da- Dahlman out of Milwaukee. Done some really interesting projects, a lot of public space projects. And then they brought a structural engineer from Silman Engineers in New York City who will lead kind of the engineering side of it. He said he took a walk through the building last summer and he would characterize it as in uh, fair to very good condition. Whereas a lot of people say that, have said like, oh, that granary is a, is a piece of junk. It's ready to fall down. He said, actually, it's, it's, it's a pretty good shape. The wood on the outside is, he described it as weathered wood, but not bad wood. Interesting. It certainly doesn't smell like it's in good to great condition. No. I mean, when, you, when you're holding grain for 100 years. It's, well, it's, and, and before, we, before we continue on, what was the first name that you gave us? And what was the company that he was with? James Dolman of La Dolman. So is that French for the Dolman? <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. Actually, I know for a fact that's not what it is. It's, uh, it's a husband and wife firm. So that is uh, his name combined with his wife's name. Oh, gotcha. I'm going to go with mine. Yeah. I'm, my company is the Clyden. <laughs> the Clyden. La Clyden. No, I think that's a, that's a good idea. If you ever go off independently, that's what you should call it. So the other question that I had was, did this news come out of the public informational meeting that was at Union Supper Pub in Sturgeon Bay? Or is this separate from that? No, that's that. Okay. Did you go to this? I did. All right. What was, what was the, the vibe there? I mean, it, people had an opportunity to voice their opinions, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, it was roughly 75 people in the room, uh, which at the Union Supper Pub, that's a packed house. Granted, it was, you know, mostly people who want the granary saved. Anyway, I'd say there were probably, at least from what I could tell, maybe two or three people who had serious questions about it. But for the most part, it was a very granary friendly audience, um, which I expected. Uh, I kind of thought maybe a couple more people would be there to, to really grill the historical society on their plans. And so you decided to fill in that role. <laughs> I was just there to listen okay. in, this, in this instance. Um, and one of the, the key takeaways to me was that they really defining what they plan to deliver is really a bare bones structure. So it will be refurbished. It will look nice. It'll be cleaned up. Won't smell, I, I presume. Um, but it also will not, ha- and, it, and it will have like, you'll be able to look up through the bins from the bottom and kind of see what, what that structure actually, like how it worked back in the day. New windows, probably some new entryways. And then depending on what era they decide is like the point where they're restoring it from, it may be wood on the outside or they might restore some of that metal cladding that was on the outside. Um, that remains to be decided, but it will not have bathrooms. It will not have heating and cooling. It's probably going to be a three season structure. So that does raise some questions. Uh, and, and they say that that's because that's all they can promise for like that 1.2 million. And from there, maybe you could add on a, a building connected to it that would have bathrooms and air conditioning and maybe help with the airflow and things like that. But that really does limit, you know, if it's an event space in the summer, you could see that being a very warm structure. In well, the winter, it'd be, even as a warming house, would not be extremely usable. Even if you had like, they've talked about boom, a concrete floor that would have like in-floor heat. That wouldn't necessarily be possible as like a warming house, as like a, as a guy who plays like broomball and hockey and stuff. Like you need, you need heat, like real heat to, to function in that sense. So there's, there's going to be a lot of questions and either money from the city to add those things around it, which isn't like uncalled for. You're still getting this cool structure, but that might be it. Although they say there's got, they think there are enough grants and enough private donations that the city won't have to lay out any cash for any of those additional structures. 
Let me play devil's advocate for a second because we all know that I love the granary and I think that this is an awesome thing and I can't believe that there's been so much controversy about it. But let let me play devil's advocate for a second. Uh, you be the granary co- coalition or whatever they're called and I'll be just a person at this meeting and I want to just, because you did a pretty good job of, of trying to like spin it in a good way. When I read this, I originally thought that they were like, hey, so we're going to move it back to its original spot on the West Waterfront and we're going to clean it and that's it. So my question then would be like, well, we were all rallying against like you not having a plan for this. And now you've basically told us that the plan is that there's no plan. I wouldn't say that they say that there's no plan, but there's no decided use. Right. And that that's where I'm hung up on this, because if they come out and they say, hey, this is what this is going to be in the future. I think there's going to be a lot more support and people coming out and being like, hey, now we know what it's going to be. That's a great idea. That's going to be much better. But the longer they keep saying like, eh, it'll be clean, then you're still going to get people saying like, well, what's the point then? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a that is definitely what a lot of people are asking and, and saying. And I guess what the historical society would probably counter with that is something along the lines of this is up for the community to decide how they want to use it. We're giving you $1.2 million to clean it up and make it this cool structure and fix up the structure that was part of the original West Waterfront plan that the community development director and the city leaders called an icon and that they wanted it saved. If at all possible, it could be saved. But if it was too expensive, then it might have to be torn down. That's what they said back in 2010, 11, 12. Well, a donor came in and made it not not too expensive to save. So in accordance with the city planner's wishes, we have given you money to save this structure. And now you have this cool icon and now you figure out how to use it, which is essentially what the city asked for in their first plan in 2012. Well, and out of context, that's great. Like, to, to swoop in to save the building and say, now it's up to you guys. You can make it whatever you want. It can be awesome for the community. It, out of context. Well, I should say that. They're not saying you can make it whatever you want. Sure. Because now that it's below the high water mark, it can't be some of the things the city had talked about. Right. A brewery or part of a hotel or part of some of these other things. So it's, you know, like you said, the context has changed. Right. And, and out of context, that's a really great way to save something. But because so much of the controversy has been about you don't know what you're doing with it, you're just you save it and then it sits and then there's no plan. Like because that's been so much of the discourse surrounding it that this new news of being like, we're going to clean it up and then there it is, makes me feel like it's just another step towards more and more rigmarole and more uh, controversy surrounding it rather than a a good step forward like it probably should be. Yeah, I mean, there's. There's no doubt there's going to be more controversy. <laughs> like, there is uh, there that that meeting on Saturday certainly didn't put a period on the end of any of this discussion. I mean, there's still a challenge to the high watermark ruling, which could change what the city wants to do with it. This election coming up could change this drastically unless they hammer out this agreement before that election. And even if that election happens and they have this agreement, I think you might have if the council flips, you might have a new council that says like, Um, let's go back and revisit that agreement and tear it up. You know, there's a lot of different things that could potentially happen. And I wouldn't put it past anyone in Sturgeon Bay to the, for this thing to go in any number of directions, um, in the next few months. Matthew, you've been following the granary story vicariously through editing the podcast over the last eight, nine months that we've been talking about the granary. What are your thoughts? Well, I think we talked about this a little bit on the weekend primer when, 
when we talked about this this meeting, and I think the reason why it got so many people was because of us. I think our advertising for the <laughs> meeting really pushed people to go out. That's what I'm thinking. To anyway. be fair, we did say if you have strong opinions one way or the other, you should go to this meeting and voice your concerns. Right. It seems like everybody was just like, eh, I like the Grand Orient show up. Yeah, well, tomato, tomato, you know what I'm saying? You and I should have went and we should have been like, hey, tear it down. Hey, keep it up. <laughs> yeah, we should have been like on different sides of the room and just been arguing with yeah, each other the whole time. But like I said on the weekend primer, I think it would be I think using it as like a community space or something like the Crest Center is in Egg Harbor would be a nice change for like the West Side and really have make it like a cornerstone of that West Side to be able to build around it because the West Side there are a lot of cool places coming up on the West Side of Sturgeon Bay and to have that be like a a, a staple of that of that side of Sturgeon Bay, I think would be really cool. Any other takeaways from that meeting, Miles? Uh, no, it was, uh, at least they put some, there are some names to the structure and there, there are some people lined up and, and the beginnings of a plan. But, um, the, I guess the last takeaway I got from Sean Fairchild was that if everything went as fast as possible and proceeded as quickly as it could, it's probably six months before the granary might move back across the bridge and another 12 months after that, before renovations and, and everything is completed. So you're looking at 18 months to two years before that thing that they might have some sort of ribbon cutting that says, this is done, it's here, it's open, and this is the final product or the first phase of the final product. Great. So that just means that we've got podcast material for the next yep, two, two and a half yeah. years. And I'll, and I'll be getting that reciprocal money for that granary jingle. Yes. That's, what, that's yes. what I'm hearing. That's true. So why don't we take a break real quick, and when we come back, we're going to chat with you, Matt, about your time here at The Pulse and working with Filmworks and where you're off to and just kind of say goodbye. Yeah, let's talk about me. They call themselves the Stradivarius Builders of Sturgeon Bay because the guys at Palmer Johnson were artists in wood and metalwork, anything you imagine. They did it so beautifully well. The first fishermen came down the lake from Mackinac Island, worked their way along the north shore of Lake Michigan, and they came because of the whitefish. The whitefish were abundant. In 1945, 2,000 German prisoners of war came to Door County and picked cherries for just one harvest season. Peninsula Filmworks is dedicated to telling the stories of Door County, past, present, and future. To learn more about the history of shipbuilding in Sturgeon Bay, to see how the cherry became a Door County icon, or to watch the peninsula's last remaining fishermen brave the waters to haul in thousands of pounds of whitefish daily, and the many other incredible stories produced with the Door County Visitor Bureau, visit doorcounty.com slash ourdoorcounty. Okay, we are back. I'm joined by Miles Danhausen and Matthew Marcon. Matt, you're leaving us. I am. Yes, I gave. I talked to Miles and I gave gave notice. What was that like a month ago ish? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's and it came really a lot faster than I expected. So, Matthew, when did you join the Pulse and and what was it like? Because you, where did you come from and and how did you get here? Wow, so that's a very complicated question. Let's start right before you got to the Pulse. Okay. Um, well, even before that, I'll, I'll take you way back. Take you way back. Um, so you might, you might be asking how I got here, and then I'm going to insert a record scratch in the edit, and then we'll go back. Okay? Okay. Um, no, so I was, I grew up here. I moved here in seventh grade 
and I went to middle school Gibraltar, high school Gibraltar. Uh, Miles was my basketball coach, and I've I've always loved the Door County area and all my friends and everything. And then I went went off to school and off to um, off to the East Coast for jobs, and I was I was trying to find something different in a job. I had worked in in, in insurance for a while, and that that wasn't my my cup of tea. And I wanted to try something else. And I had, I'd been on a long job search for a while after I left New York and I saw, I think I actually saw a Filmworks ad posting for like a new producer position or something like that. And I went on the Pulse website and I found this multimedia job posting and I reached, I applied and I reached out to Miles and I said, I'd, I would love to come back and, and work in Door County and be back at home again. And you're like, put me in coach. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, you, you remember me from when I scored all those points back in high school. <laughs> I didn't score any points in high school. That's, that's the joke there. Um, and, and I just, it just so happened to work out and we, I made my way back up here. I think I started in May, uh, first thing of May and, and it was, it was off to the races then. And Miles, you'll give a job to anybody that you coached in basketball while you're at Gibraltar, right? Uh, kind of yeah. not, not anybody, <laughs> not anybody. All right. I thought that it was, let me because, tell you about a few people. I wouldn't give a job now. <laughs> I thought it was just because you wanted to have that like leg up of like, you know, they'd call you coach and that would make you feel good. And I just thought I'd make them run more sprints in yeah. the office. But that's the thing about me is I loved running sprints. <laughs> so no what fast. miles did, you never, you were never like, no, oh. no, no, I think pretty easy for you. actually. Right. Yeah. You're like, how do I break this kid? I can't get yes. into his head. So, Matt, we've been working together for probably six to eight months on the film work side of stuff, yeah. but you, you originally were hired for the Pulse side of things. I was, yeah. So I started, I started in this multimedia um, job where I was mostly, I was doing a lot of everything, actually. There wasn't, I didn't have like a specific thing that I was working, I was working, I was doing like the website, I was doing web uploads, managing how the website looked. I did. I started with a little bit of of social before we brought on Aaliyah to really before she could really sink her teeth into that. I was doing the Pulsepix, um, the Pulsepix email that went out every day. I would be. I wrote a couple articles about ice cream. Um, I managed the golf page and then other projects that were coming and going that I that that kind of just were low hanging fruit. That I was just like, hey, go do this. And so I was, I was doing a lot of different stuff um, before I eventually got moved over to the Filmworks team. So we, we had a producer who was working with us full time who uh, was with us for a short while and then moved out of state uh, to pursue greener pastures. Her husband uh, got a job offer um, that was, you know, that she couldn't refuse. So we, we came to you and we were like, hey, are you kind of interested in this film work stuff? And I mean, we had gotten to talking and I think at that point you had already moved into doing some of the podcasting mm-hmm. stuff with us too. And it seemed like that was more what you were looking for. That was more right up your alley, right? Yeah, that's exactly. I, I, once, once I got the opportunity to jump over at Filmworks, I, 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 that was great because that was exactly what I was looking for. Like you were saying, I wanted to pretty much do exactly what my role is now of of managing all of these different shoots and, you know, working on these podcasts and scheduling and managing just like the whole film work side of things was, was exactly what I wanted to jump into. And it was kind of just, you know, right time, right place sort of thing. And part of that is like when you're a small business like this and you have, you got to kind of have a staff that can be nimble and you're going to have people who come and go, like, especially this, like door County is not, it's not a long-term play for everybody's personality. And so we, when we're hiring and firing, we're like, okay, 
Oh, actually, we don't fire. <laughs> Firing. But, that's harsh. Um, when we're hiring people, you're generally going, okay, maybe this is a five-year person. Maybe this is somebody for one year. Maybe this is two years. And okay, if that person cycles out and all right, how, who, what are the talents we have? How do we kind of make this work and shift people around? And so like when we lost that one producer, it's like, all right, Matthew, I think you can do some of this. I think you can learn most of the rest of it. And Andrew, you're going to have to slide in and pick up a little bit of that. Like, and it, and luckily we find people who are pretty good and pretty nimble and can kind of, kind of be like water and slide into those little holes and, and fill them. And I, I hope that it becomes a place where people are like, okay, cool. I've, I've learned new skills. Now I've expanded my talents or I've at least gotten to explore something and found out I hate that or, <laughs> or I'm not good at it or something. So now at least I have that out of my system maybe. But like, I think for the most part, people have kind of exceeded expectations and like you doing that with the film work side was definitely one of those because you're going, you're always fit placing a bet on somebody and going, well, I wonder if they can jump into something totally new and fly with it. And, and you've done that. Yeah, it was, it was, like I said, it was, it was exactly what I was kind of looking for. I wanted to get into the video aspect and, and the thing was, I was more uh, approaching it as, you know, maybe I would learn editing and, and shooting, but I, I kind of realized after I watched like you edit like the Astorco videos and things like that of maybe that's not, you know, what I'm particularly good at. And, you know, I can sit down and kind of do like a rough cut edit sort of thing, but doing all the fun stuff that Andrew does, that's really not my skill set. My, my skill set is you find out there's a, a lot of time that went into acquiring that skill, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and well, you didn't just sit down and learn the program and then you could make cool no, stuff. Who knew? I mean, one day when we can just insert a chip into our head and just learn it, that's what I'm looking forward to. But, you know, I I realized that my skill set is more like camera facing podcasts um, and working with people one on one, being able to talk with people, because I know that it is it is very hard to just cold call people and try and schedule them for (laughs) interviews and, and trying to harass these people to get them to sit down with us for an hour at a time. So I some of whom are like. You're doing a, a, what's a, a video? Right. And where will that be? Like what, what station? What, <laughs> when is this on the news? No, right. no, it's, it's not the news. It's, it's for it's, the internet. It's, it's, it's the inter- oh, my daughter loves the internet. Is that comes over through pipes? Well, and, and that's not to understate what you do, Matt, because a, a lot of people don't understand that the actually shooting a video is probably the least like it's the quickest part of the process. It's the shortest part of the process yeah. is getting out and getting the footage does not take a long time. I mean, you might for a 10 minute video, you might do three to five hours of shooting, but that's not a lot in the grand scope of an entire project. What takes a lot of time is finding the people to contact, calling them, waiting for them to return your call, scheduling something, rescheduling it when it falls flat mm-hmm. You know, working on building up questions, sitting down, interviewing them, mining every bit of information that's pertinent to the project out of them with questions that have been formatted to to do that. That's the stuff that takes a long time. Yeah, it's I mean, that's that you're, you're pretty much right on that. I mean, when take our, our history extra videos that we've been doing for the Door County Visitor Bureau, um, just the most recent ones of the early history of tourism and the first resorts. Uh, in Door County, those, you know, just starting with like the research on those and trying to figure out, okay, who do we want to talk to? Where do we want to, where do we want to approach this video from? And then trying to figure out, okay, who do we talk to? Um, how do we sit down with these people? Where do we go? And then going to sit down with them, scheduling them, like you said, and then 
okay, we're finally scheduled. You and I, we go to this shoot. It takes us, you know, 10, 15 minutes to set up the entire shoot and lugging all the lugging all the equipment. Then we sit down and we talk to them for 15 minutes. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's hours and hours and days of of trying to lock these people down for this interview and and figuring out all the questions like you were saying, doing the background research to figure out what what we're trying to get them to say for this video. And then we just talk to them for 15 minutes and then it's done. And then you well, hope they don't freeze on camera. Right. Right. And then even beyond that, it's like you've got the hours and hours and hours of work. And we might sit down with five different people, talk to each of them for 35 minutes to an hour apiece. And then the finished product is a two minute video. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like that's all the work that goes into it. And I'd say the the biggest time sink is scheduling and calling people and 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 following up with them and getting things locked down because it would be great if we could call somebody and say, hey, can we come shoot a video in 20 minutes and we're going to put it together and send it out the door tomorrow. That would be great. It doesn't always work like that. In right. fact, it rarely works like that. Yeah. It, you end up calling somebody five or six times before you can finally set a date that's next month because they're not in the county for the mm-hmm. winter or that kind of thing. And then you finally get down, talk with them for an hour, and then you're going to suck maybe 35 seconds of their actual audio out of that interview for the video. So it, it, it's not to understate what you do at all. Side note, different topic. Just got an alert. Jordy Nelson got cut. Matt, where do you stand? Bring him back? Oh, I no. No, I, I, think, I think we ripped the Band-Aid off, and I think that the, the Packers have a pretty solid receiving core right oh, now. Oh, it's sports. Sports happening. Right, okay. sports are happening. I, I think, I think the Packers have a pretty good, pretty good receiving core right now, and, and I don't think Jordy Nelson coming back right. is... So Matt Marcon is anti-Jordy. I'm anti-Jordy. He's a Jordy hater. Yep. I would say for a million bucks, maybe even two, bring him back as your number five or your number three tight end. I could see and, it. I could see and, him coming back, but I don't, I don't or think. Or just your like third and fourth down specialist that Rogers is totally comfortable with. And he only catches 18 passes on the season and they are all on the sideline as he falls out of bounds and catches it for the first time. I think, I think, I'm if, in. I think if Mike McCarthy was still there, sure. I could definitely see it. But with the, with the new guy, I don't think. Is the term tight end still funny for you guys or do you get over it eventually? I've never, even I don't think it's it. never, it's never been funny. It's never been funny. Me. That's no. so funny to me. So you come back here after going to spend a lot of time in California, a lot of time in New York, and then you come back to your hometown and how did it work out for you? Like, what did you expect it to be versus what was it for the last year? It's, it was interesting. I've always, I've always said to m- many different people that I loved living in New York for the time that I did. Um, and I thought that everyone should at least get out and experience living life in a big city. Um, but the transition from at least New York, I, I did spend some time in, in California with my parents before I came back up here, but the, it was, it was interesting coming back and actually living in, in Door County and actually experiencing it. As an adult, um, as an adult, exactly. Because it, when I was in high school, you know, I'm not really going out on weekends. You know, it's mostly just you know sports, which took up most of my time in high school. And you know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really going out. I wasn't really experiencing the county. Um, and then besides that, the whole reason why my family moved up here in the first place was my family reunion. And when we did that, that was mostly you know touristy things and and going to see the goats on the roof and all that kind of stuff. So my my view of Door County is is a very interesting one. Um, it's a very hard question to answer because I I obviously love it here, and this is definitely a place that I hold dear to my heart. But it's it's probably just not the right time for me to be living here at the moment. I just think there's there's 
other places I want to be and other places I want to see and do first before kind of settling down. I think it would be a great place to settle down and come back to with a family. But I think just right now for me, it's just, I'm trying to look for something a little bit different. And you're what, 25, 26? 26 on, on Monday. 26 on Monday. Well, yeah. happy birthday. Cause you'll be gone. Thank when, you. Yeah. Um, let's be honest. You're, you got to go see about a girl as Matt Damon would say. I I'm, I've been trying to use that line as, as, as most as I, as, as much as I can, because it's such a, it's just a great line, but yeah, there's, there is a special girl and she's very important to me. And it's, uh, we've been, we've been apart more than we've been together and we've been together for like five years. So you guys met online and she was like, come to California and you're right. like, oh, I'm working in Door County. I can't. Was, right. like, was that like, no, was that last week or the week before that you guys met? Oh, it was actually just a couple <laughs> days ago. It's, it's kind of just worked out like yeah, that. It was, it was right before he handed in his notice. Right. <laughs> it's just, it just timing, right? Yeah. Is there one big expectation of what you thought coming home would be that reality was particularly different? The other thing, too, is, is we're very similar in our, our likes and dislikes and stuff like that. We bonded over comic books and Marvel superhero movies yeah. and video games and stuff yeah. like that. And it it was very hard for me to adjust when I first came up here because I didn't have some of the things that I like to partake in like comic book stores or things like that, or places where you can go and, and do stuff. And the internet is so bad. Reliable internet. Yeah. So it's hard <laughs> to, you know, reconnect with your friends online or play video games with them or even just acquire video games because everything is so digital or streaming movies. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult up here. Um, so you have to find all these different things for it. Um, I feel like you and I both struggled with that in some places too. And like when you got your new apartment in California, you're like, dude, there's a comic book store right across yeah, the there street. Is. And it's like, yeah, oh, there that is. totally makes sense for you. No, yeah, I guess that, that could, that, that's totally right. We've definitely bonded over that. And I guess that answers your question, Miles, is I feel the same way. It's just living in New York, not so much New York, New York's, New York is kind of like the outlier as Door County is the outlier to, you know, what to expect of how to just to live in a place, anything at all. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, but when living in a more of a suburby area, when I was, when I lived at home with my parents, it's just, you know, you drive to a target and you can choose between three different targets cause they're all 15 minutes away, but in different directions. You that know, sounds horrible to me. Well, I guess it's just different, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and the, the movie theater you go to is, is nice and it has recliner seats and it's, you know, it's, it's updated. I should say it's not, they have I mean, heat on. right, exactly. And, and the movie actually plays in sync with, with how the words are spoken. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's stuff like that where when you're, when I would come up here back from break or, um, when my cousins would come up and we do the family reunion here, it's something that you don't really notice when you're up here for weeks at a time or weekends at a time when I would come visit from school. But when you're when you're living here, it's something that you notice a lot more of. What if Piggly Wiggly remodel was done? Would you still be leave- leaving or is it just like not soon enough for you? I think that uh, if, if uh, Jay Keita got on that earlier, I probably would have stayed. Yeah. Damn you, Jay. Right. If the Piggly Wiggly had a better selection of electronics, that maybe would, <laughs> would yeah. keep it yeah. here. I, I met you down at Target one day just... Uh, by oh, that chance. was great. Yeah. And I was like, what are you up to, Matt? And you're like, oh, I'm just killing time at Target. And I was like, I totally get that. Right. Sometimes when I'm in Sturgeon Bay, I'm like, I'll just walk around Target when for I was, like 20 minutes. When I was your age, I used to do that too. It was like, when you're your age, you actually have a lot more time to kill too. Like, you're an adult, but you don't have like, well, like you said, your girls in California. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like own a house or maybe like aren't consumed with like, when, it, especially the times when I wasn't coaching high school basketball up here and like the winter, winters were like, 
what do I do with this whole right winter of time? And I, yeah, me and my buddies, we'd go to like walk around Target, walk around Econo. <laughs> you know, but the, the it kind of goes back on on the other thing I was talking about of just like living here is is so much different than you know like living. Obviously, it's different than living in a suburb. But I go to church down in Sturgeon Bay, um, and and after church, I I would try to usually schedule you know oh, I'll go see a movie after I go to church after I go to like the four thirty mass I'll go try and see a movie but the movie doesn't start until you know seven on a Saturday night so from five thirty till seven I have time to kill and especially in the winter when there aren't as many like restaurants open to grab dinner or something like that you know you have you know that two hours to kill before before your movie starts and so there's kind of just not not that much to do except go walk around Target and run yeah. into Andrew. So let's man we so we should have got you into more hiking, snowshoeing, biking. <laughs> well, we wanted to pivot you into more of the foodie stuff, but you don't like food at no, all. No, I don't. Yeah. No, okay, I like food. I'm just very see this is this is what I'm talking about with Dave. I should have never brought up my food habits because one one I got I got picked on because I'm a picky eater. I'm I'm very particular about what I like. I like food. But I'm very particular about what I like, and I bring in a bag of flaming hot Cheetos one day, and now I'm stigmatized as the flaming hot Cheeto guy. It wasn't just the one, because that would have been fine. Okay, was, I did, I did bring it because I liked it. So those are the first bag I've ever had, and I was like, wow, these are actually pretty good. And then I know there's this whole flaming brand of chips. So then I went, I was at the gas station, I found two different ones. So I gotta try them. Right, you got the flaming hot Doritos, which are very good. Right, very good. So my mom and Miles, this is for you because I already showed Matt. My mom sent me a text after listening to one of the weekend primers where we talked about this of a bag of flaming hot dill pickle chips which is a combination of matthew's favorite thing and least favorite thing ever it was the perfect storm yeah that sounds awful i don't want to try this no so matt pivoting back to your job are there any standout uh moments or clients or, or things that you've learned or done while you were here i try to ask everybody this question like what were some of the great opportunities that you had that you that you're going to take with you when you when you leave i honestly think a lot of it all of it i mean uh, pretty much what i was doing day to day was my favorite part of it um i i absolutely loved coming to work every day and it was i had a blast whether it just was from the this the interesting kind of stuff we were working on the cool videos that we were making um it was it was a blast to work on and the people in this office are great, whether it's just, you know, Kate or Jess or Miles, Dave. I, 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 had not, I went in, I came into the Pulse only knowing two people, and that was Steve Gretzmacher and you, Miles. And then, and then I found out that, Kate, that Grace was here, and I knew Grace from school, but we never really, you know, talked in high school. But, um, and then just, like, knowing all of these new people, the offices, the, the people here are fantastic, and I never would have expected that, and... And it, it was just a blast coming to work every day. And, and so the, the highlights, I guess, for me were, you know, these podcasts that we've been able to do just, just re- especially on the weekend primer when, when you and I can just kind of just go off on our tangents and just kind of have a blast is, is always so much fun to do. And I would have never expected to um, meet someone like you here at this job. You know, I, I remember when we were we were at the cornerstone. That was the first time we just sat down and talked about comics and video games and, and movies for like two hours. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I would have never expected, uh, this was that two hours on the clock. <laughs> one, one, one on, on yeah. <laughs> one on, one off. Yeah. We, we got that down packed. Don't worry about it. Ben, you're not listening to this podcast. I already got paid for that week, so it's fine. I'm not, um, 
And so that was totally unexpected. And then being able to being able to move into Filmworks and and work on all of these cool stuff and and sit next to you and then be able to talk about movies and comics all day while we're working. I mean, it was just it was just a joy. And I will I'll cherish and, and bring along pretty much everything that that I learned. Well, Matt, thank you so much for everything that you've done for The Pulse and for Filmworks and for the podcast. It's been great having you on over the past year. And uh, this is uh, this will be the last, probably won't be the last time you're on. In all honesty, we'll get you on another time, yeah. either when you're visiting in the summer or we'll have you call in when there's a special event that I'm like, Matt, did you know that it's uh, the, the Pi Day down in Sturgeon Bay? And you'll be like, oh, I love pie. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Is it, is it Pi Day 3.14 day or is it actual slice of pie day? Because I don't celebrate 3.14 day with pie because I don't celebrate math because I'm not a nerd like <laughs> some people are. Oh, okay. But uh, I will be coming back because we do have to shoot the mini golf video. That's yes. something that we need to shoot. There are a couple of videos that we have in the pipeline to do with Matt where he tries to do every at least one hole at every mini golf course in one day. No, all 18. You're going to do all 18? Yeah, we have to do all 18. We do yeah. have to go to Washington Island for it. Yeah, so. we start in the morning. It's That's doable. Completely right. doable. And then we also want to get him trying uh, at least one piece of ice cream from every restaurant that sells ice cream in Door County. Yeah. In the same evening. In the same day. One des- one big dessert. Yep. And right in the middle, he'll throw up. <laughs> um, before we finish, Matt, thank you for uh, a great almost year back here and for being as flexible as... The pulse demands people to be flexible. I'm like, yeah, right, today your job is something totally different. But um, you've done a, uh, an amazing job picking up new skills and and taking like this podcasting and running with it and really helping us drive this forward. And uh, yeah, maybe one day you're back here. Yeah, and, uh, I I honestly can see that. Uh, like I said, I just think I'm just looking for something a little bit different at this time. But I honestly I honestly loved every day and I, I appreciated every single opportunity that I got and. I'm, I'm going it, to, it, it was a hard, it was definitely a hard decision. Like I, I was, I, I was restless at nights trying to think if, if this was something I wanted to do, but you can just blame my girlfriend. That's yeah. fine. Is it legal for us to roll out of this podcast with some Elliot Smith from Goodwill Hunting? Uh, <laughs> if, if one of you hums it, then yeah, then we're good. I don't think I can hum. I don't remember that that well. <laughs> well, Matthew, thank you so much. And Miles, thank you for joining us. We will see you again next week and uh, enjoy all of the free Disneyland that you get to go to with your girlfriend. Heck yes. These stories and more will be available in this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, available throughout Door County. For more headlines, visit DoorCountyPulse.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Door County Pulse podcast for your weekly Pulse picks, interviews, and exclusive content from the Peninsula Pulse. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.